0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this 18th episode is for the week of August 27th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. And then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome astrologer and musician uh, from Canada, Mars Gradiva, um, who will join me on a discussion on queer astrology and the limitation of gender binary. Fascinating topic, by the way. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our Lunar Lady is now in her waning phase as we are coming off of Sunday's full moon in Pisces, and we start off the week with Luna still in the sign of the fishies. She remains in that transitory water zone until moving into the fiery go get of Aries on Tuesday. She remains in this initiating energy until she stables out an earthy Taurus on Thursday around midday, at least here on the Pacific Coast. She then settles into the sign of the bowl until Sunday when she moves into the communicative air sign of Gemini and heads to her last quarter position. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe add about 8 hours, and if you are in Australia or the East add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits otherwise known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. And so I am quite happy to announce that Mars is finally stationing direct this week. What a last few months it's been. We aren't out of the woods yet, though, uh, as this week may rise up some emotional storms, especially with our moon making some challenging placements. Um, Yet we are culminating a period of review and looking ahead to the future. Um, So let's get in there and find out more. On Monday, we have our moon in Pisces, uh, and she will be making a conjunction to Neptune and a trine to Jupiter very early on, uh, and then a sextile to Pluto. And so uh, we have two significant things happening on Monday. We have Mars stationing direct at 28 degrees Capricorn, which... Let me give a round. Let the Scorpio rise and give a round of applause to that. Um, and then also, we have Mercury uh, making its third and final square to Jupiter um and so let's start first with our mars stationing at uh the late degrees of capricorn and so you know can i get a hallelujah or what <laughs> my goodness this has been a heck of a summer with the action planet in retrograde motion and eclipses certainly weren't a walk in the park either and it seemed as if the universe had its grand plan perfectly in place whether we liked it or not And speaking of grand plan, Mars stationing at 28 degrees Capricorn, uh, the place it originally touched down on, on May 10th and 11th of 2018, is asking that we begin forward motion in alignment to the plans we have been orchestrating and making decisive moves that are aligning with our revitalized vision of the long term. And so we won't be rushing ahead per se, as Mars is super slow and will take some time to get going and back in action. But we can officially say that we are now headed forward and will increasingly gain momentum along the way. So if you're like a Scorpio rising like myself or, you know, an Aries rising, this is wonderful news as we may have felt it a little bit more than others. But I think it's safe to say that nearly everybody uh, will be glad that Mars is ready for motion again. Um, And so the warrior will remain in Capricorn until moving back into Aquarius on September 10th and will not leave its retrograde shadow period until October 7th, which coincidentally will be the same time that Venus goes retrograde. So we'll do a little retrograde dance switch. Um, however, we'll save, you know, those details, those Venus details for a different podcast. Um, so just keep that in mind as we will be in the shadow period for quite some time. Um, and it will probably be strong as it stations and through the week. Um But we're good, we're getting there, we're going somewhere (laughs) now. That Mercury square to Jupiter, uh, Mercury is in Leo, uh, still, and of course, Jupiter is in Scorpio, and so we have that. Mercurial function of, you know, information, communication, um, our perception of things, our thought processing, transactions, um, will be making that square, which brings events or action or challenges or frustrations um, that we have to push through. And where are we pushing through or what's that frustration about? And that is about the future and expanding our world and growth and going somewhere in life, <laughs> um, And so, this is interesting because it's the third pass of these two meeting, uh, and they've met over the last few months a few times. Originally, Mercury uh, met Jupiter, who was in retrograde motion, back on July 9th. Um, And then Mercury, who was in retrograde motion, met Jupiter in direct motion on August 10th. And now, uh, those two are going to meet both in direct motion, um, which I think is a good thing. So, we've had a lot of time to review the Jupiter portion, review the mercurial portion, and now the two can meet in kind of a direct movement. Um, And if you read the full moon article on my astro blog, you will have seen my musings on the correlations between this last square between the two planets that ruled the full moon in Pisces we had the day prior. Um, Because I believe this is certainly a push forward in our story as we approach a final challenge based on the boundaries we set for ourselves. And if we are communicating those authentically, with others, Uh, especially if we may have been overextending our energies in some way because Mercury meeting Jupiter, we might take on too much or commit ourselves or, or say we'll do too many things and we just can't follow through. So basically, now is the time to get inspired for transitions that lie ahead. Because remember, Jupiter wants growth um, and clear the path of any emotionally laden thoughts that may be keeping you from stepping forward. Because Jupiter in um, Scorpio is, is pushing us forward, but we have to get through some emotional, emotionally dense material first. Um, So, you know, speak from the heart and you can really do no wrong at this time. Um, And with a stationing and rather potent Mars as the ruler of Jupiter and Scorpio, we can expect this final square to be quite strong, or at least in my opinion. And so the bottom line for Monday is... Pay attention to any dreams that come through as they may provide great intuitive insight with that early morning Neptune conjunction. And there may be a vulnerability to the day as Mars is stationing and that lunar sextile to Pluto could unearth some deeper instinctual material to work with. Uh, So just go with the flow as it will be productive for your personal growth. Communications could go overboard or push some buttons. So take your time before committing to anything or speaking too hastily. All right. So on Tuesday, we have the moon still in Pisces, but we'll move to Aries rather early in the morning. Um, It'll move to Aries by nine o'clock here on Pacific land. (laughs) Um, And so the moon will make a sextile to Mars, a conjunction to Chiron, and then a square to Saturn. Um, And so we have no aspects going on that day, but uh, other than the moon ones. um, And so the bottom line for Tuesday is that we actually get a little pep in our step today as Luna makes her first contact to Mars since stationing direct. And that Aries moon heats things up and a, a painful trigger uh, based on the right use of assertion may come up with that conjunction to Chiron. And so we may feel the momentum to take action and begin projects that pique our enthusiasm because that's the way Aries is raring and ready to go. Um, yet try not to move too fast as that square to Saturn may bring some hiccups in the process, um, feeling us, having us feel as if we are blocked or, or that you know, frustration may arise uh, within that. So do, you know, what you can and then pick only the low-hanging fruit for that sense of accomplishment you may be looking for. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is in Aries, uh, firing on through, and we'll make a square to Pluto and then a trine to Mercury. And once again, we have no uh, other planetary aspects happening that day. And so the bottom line to Wednesday is that the fire is still burning as we have another day of high energy fueling us forward. And this can be a day where we implement some sort of change in our life and begin to direct the course of events based on some of the conclusions we have come to over the last few weeks. The evening may bring some intense emotional material to get through, and we are likely to be looking after our own needs first. Examining what needs to change within our duties and our priorities may be on the table, and your mind will easily digest it all with all that with that trine to Mercury, um, and with that trine as well, communications will easily flow. So, if you have to discuss any heavier material, um, you know, coming from that square to Pluto, you can do so now. Now, on Thursday, the moon is still in Aries, uh, but will make her way to Taurus um, later in the afternoon or the evening. Um, and on the way, we'll make an opposition to Venus a square to that slow Mars, uh, and then a conjunction to Uranus, and a trine to Saturn. So she's certainly making her rounds on Thursday. And so here we have a two-part day, um, and the bottom line is most of the working day will be under that high energy of Aries, and there may be something that fires us up once the moon makes it square to a very slow and stormy Mars. Irritations may arise from the unexpected that challenges us out of our comfort zones and into a higher vibration. The feeling of rebellion could be in the air with that conjunction to Uranus, uh, with the emotional need to shake things up a bit. Luckily, that trying to Saturn will also keep us focused on the long term, so whatever is getting shook up is meant to be adjusted for a more productive long haul. And so once that process is resolved, we can sink into a comfy Taurus moon and appreciate the slowing down of energy. Now on Friday, the moon is fully in Taurus and will make a sweet little trine to the sun, uh, who is in Virgo, and then that's sextile to Neptune in Pisces. And so once again, we have no, you know, not a lot of aspects going on this week, a lot of moon business. And so the bottom line for Friday is, is that we get some practical clarity as the moon makes her first trine to the sun in Virgo. There is greater harmony on the physical plane, and this will be a great day to get a lot done while plodding along our course. We can see physical manifestations crop up, and the work we are involved in may begin to pay off. Imagination is strong with that sextile to Neptune, and if we feel inspired about something, uh, this is an opportunity to take that dream further into reality. And so sensitivity and receptivity are in the air. So open up to whatever comes to you because spirit is certainly speaking. Now, on Saturday, uh, we still have the moon in Taurus, and she'll make an opposition to Jupiter, a trine to Pluto, a square to Mercury, and then a trine to Mars. Um, And so the bottom line for Saturday is that energy slows down um, and we may gladly accept a day off, yet there may be some conflict with some nervous tension in the air with that square to Mercury. And so this could be a day of impulse spending as we are quicker to act on transactions, so make sure your resources are secure enough ahead of time. Uh, Luscious food and luxury items may tempt you, so beware. Um, yeah, in the evening, get grounded by spending time with those you love in an activity that helps bond you closer together as that trying to Mars will, uh, have us feeling active and wanting to do something, um, that's fun and practical. Now on Sunday, we have, uh, the moon moves into Gemini and we have our last quarter moon in at 10 degrees Gemini. And so, with any type of last quarter moon, uh, there's, there's a tension that happens um, where we uh, kind of have a, an internal crisis that may happen um, that we have to push through. And since uh, Gemini focuses on the fact, and the information that comes through. So this could be a day where we are challenged to emotionally accept the facts of reality with the sun making it square from Virgo because Virgo is very conscious of the here and now. And so Gemini can ping pong easily between two different viewpoints with the potential to align with the one that suits its own opinions best. So stay practical, though, and use this time of mental acuity in your favor by analyzing your situation, gathering information, and then formulating a practical approach from which you can act upon. This can certainly be a busy day as communications will ramp up and you'll feel pressured into motion by the nervous energy that swirls around. Um, and the feeling of back going back and forth while, while constantly being on the move may make this quite a busy day. So just keep in mind, Sunday might not be the day of rest we are quite <laughs> used to. And so the bottom line for Sunday is that this is an excellent day to get all the facts, communicate what you need, and set things you would like to complete within the next week into motion. Mental tension may arise as we receive increased consciousness around what reality truly looks like, challenging us on, you know, how we form our opinions and how that perspective affects our everyday life and bodily health. So to wrap it all up, having a mutable sun placement and a mutable last quarter, life just wants us to go with the flow right now and embrace whatever transitions are happening. Mars is super strong and finally moving ahead, yet we still have to maintain our patience while taking a discerning look at what we've signed ourselves up for in the future. By also challenging if our perception of reality is truly aligned with reality itself. So now let's take a look at the cards I pulled this week because they add another dimension to, um, you know, the energy that is around. And so this week I pulled the King of Cups as the focus and the Lovers as the grounding. And so with the King of Cups as the focus, the issue of emotional maturity may be up on the table asking that we pull from our cup of wisdom to approach whatever the week has in store for us. We are evaluating our situations from a security standpoint while also assessing how we can bring an increased sense of calm into the picture. Decisions may need to be made, and we must use our emotions effectively in order to honor our true desires and feelings. Now, with the lovers as the grounding, this really plays into the decisive factor, as this card tends to represent a crossroads where we are faced with a choice between two paths. Our soul's compass, uh, the true north, points towards that which we are attracted to most. So if you find yourself having to decide, do so from a place of knowing what is best for you and what lights up the love in your heart most, because that attraction will be kind of the deciding factor of which way to go. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the Roadrunner. This speedy, ground-dwelling bird is reminding us to keep a sense of humor about life and to not take it all so seriously. Laughter is most often the best medicine, and this week we should do our best to cultivate some, even if we have to search hard to find it. Life can be quite absurd at times, so find a smile and a chuckle about how crazy it really all is. Approaching life with a healthy sense of humor will allow you to get through even the toughest of times, with the reminder that we are here to have fun and find joy, not become completely mired in the seriousness of it all. So find the levity in whatever situation you encounter, and you'll be better off for it. Now, if you would like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will affect you personally, I encourage you to check out my weekly custom tarot subscription on Patreon. Um, And so each week I create a custom spread that focuses on the astrology of the week um, and uh, helps hone in on purposeful card placements so that you can find out, you know, what's going on for you um, and get that more personalized view. And so last, week we worked on Liberating for Release, and this week we are working on Finding Peace with Intention. Um, And it's always great, and I just love doing them weekly myself, and so I'd love to have some more people on board um, to, you know, give it a go. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, and all tarot skills are welcome from the novice to the expert, Um, I'd love for you to come on down to my Patreon page uh, to check out a free spread or feel free to ask any questions if you have them Um, so you can find that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles okay now let's meet our guest all right everyone i'm so happy to welcome this week's special guest mars gradiva thank you so much for joining me hi thanks so Mars, tell us a little bit about yourself. This is I'm I'm just meeting you as well because you were a reference uh, from Aquila who was on a, a few episodes ago. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, I am a astrologer, I guess. Um, and a musician, and I live in Montreal. And yeah, I'm a human. <laughs> As we all are. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. I'm into that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's all you need to be because that's all anybody really, well... That's all anybody should expect of you. <laughs> um, and maybe that's why we have this answer today, because we're focusing on the topic of queer astrology and the limitation of gender binary and mm. why I was so excited to bring Mars on um, because you have a fabulous essay that you've written and placed online under, the, um, under being a, a baby astrologer. <laughs> I'm going to say that you probably are because it was very well written from what I could read. Um, and so I just want to pick your brain a little bit about the Mm -hmm. topic of, you know, you know, obviously you're passionate about it and have a lot to Mm -hmm. share. So I want to hear what you have to share with other people. Um, and so I guess to, to get started here, you know, what, what is queer astrology? What makes queer astrology queer, I guess (laughs) in a sense,
1: Um, I think that astrology in and of itself is queer. Um, Maybe you got from the essay that I'm like very interested in the definition of words and the etymology of words as opposed to the colloquial use of words. Um, And queer in its like original definition means something that is different from the norm. And that's how it's used as applied to like people's lifestyles or choices or orientations or genders. Colloquially now. Um, but the norm that we live in is all about division. It's all about, like, you are in this little box and this is all you can ever be. But astrology is like, look, you're this giant cycle of this very fluid experience of identity and gender. So I see that, I think that astrology, just like in and of itself, is a very queer thing. And I think that's why it's been so heavily devalued by a pretty oppressive um, culture and uh, colonial mindset.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's a fascinating topic and I totally agree with you. And it's not just astrology or even gender. It's in just in, in the world is like that. And I mean, you can see that here in America. I know you're over in Canada. Um, (laughs) I don't know what you think about everything over here, but you know, it's that same type of dividing line or division um, that essentially puts uh, people um, and things into boxes. And that Box doesn't always fit what it, you know, you're trying to shove into it. It's like that old, um, that uh, game that you used to play when you were a kid where you take the block and you put it in the square, right? Or the circle mm-hmm. and you put it in the, you know, but mm-hmm. sometimes that's not, it's not always as cut and dry as that. And so I really am enthusiastic about this topic. Um, and I think. Yeah, queer is associated, obviously, with, uh, you know, like you were saying, like it has metamorphosed into representing a group of people, really, but it just mm-hmm. started off as being something odd or different, um, and as a person with Uranus, exactly conjunct my ascendant, I oh, my son and sextile my moon. Trust me, I'm all about the different and the unusual, and yeah. just quirky, because we're all unique, um, and that's what makes us odd or different, so... Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So now, tell me about gender binary um, and how it is limiting, and maybe how that fits into astrology. Because I know that was a very, um, very much the focus of your essay.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Well, gender binary is a lie. I'm just going to put that one out there as like (laughs) that. That is the assumption that I'm going forward with. Like everything else that I'm going to say from here on out. I'm coming with the assumption that, like, I believe and maybe you believe and the people who are listening believe that the gender binary is, like, not real. And it's made up for, like, a very intentional purpose, which is to um, divide people. Um, and it's interesting that you brought up Uranus and Aquarius as by extension of that planet. Um I was just thinking about this archetype and how it's so much about how, like, everyone in the world is really unique. And that is the thing that we all have in common.
0: Yeah, right. The thing
1: that makes us all humble and the same is the fact that we're all totally different. And and having the chance to like express yourself as a unique person um, is the beautiful diversity that gives us these like miraculous jumps in evolution whether it's social evolution or um, like genetic evolution, it all really comes down to diversity. Diversity is a really important thing.
0: Yes, I totally agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, honoring diversity is like such a central part of life, really. And the gender binary is just like, if you have these genitals, you have to be this way. If you have these genitals, other genitals, you have to be this way. And if you're in between, we're going to fuck with you until you fit our box. And that is done in like incredibly violent ways and, um, violent ways that are like very physical as well. Like what happens to intersex people, the total crime that happens to intersex people. And then also just like uh, the socialization that everyone experiences. So the, the purpose of, or I guess the introduction of my essay was talking about how the gender binary as we're kind of like socialized to understand it um is represented by two planetary symbols and realistically by extension two kind of like astrological archetypes you know there's Mars is men supposedly and Venus is women and what I was trying to deconstruct there is that well obviously um we're all on earth, yes And <laughs> that's a little bit that's kind of silly to just uh, use that comparison of a spectrum or not a spectrum, but like a binary experience of the world, and um kind of deconstructing um how i guess like the gender binary is a, a tool of patriarchal colonization and oppression and talking about how, um, um, if Mars is about men, then, and the patriarchy and by extension, the gender binary considers that, um, people who are labeled men and people who like live in that socialization and accept it are considered to be better. And so those qualities by this socialized mindset are are better or superior and then anything that Venus would represent in contrast to that is inferior and so Mars represents like war and chaos Ah! and like look at our world now it is like total chaos and there's been like almost eternal war Going on for a long, long time, like all all over the planet, in a way that, like, I wouldn't necessarily point to the citizens of one any particular country, because it's more, you know, like there are, there are powers that be there involved with this, and we are all like pawns in it. Yeah. But uh, to kind of go back to the human scale, socializing people who are socialized to be male. Um, to act, or being told that there there's a certain amount of like violence or like crisis um, that is like a necessary part of their identity, and then by extension, teaching them to suppress anything that represents Venus. But Venus is like, you know, Venus is real powerful. Venus isn't just about one body. Venus is about um, or one gender. It's it's a multigendered kind of archetype. It represents the harm, it represents harmony and so harmony means all things are in harmony we're talking we were just saying we're we're both musicians and harmony is many many different pieces coming together like a chord is the harmony between many many different notes or a song has harmony by many different chords harmonizing with one another it's not one singular body. It's about many, many things coming together. Yeah, and I wanted need to make something
0: to harmonize with that. It doesn't stand on its own.
1: That's yes. Really. yes, yes, yes. I love that you brought that up. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm just rambling. <laughs> I have Gemini Mars. <laughs> so. I have a
0: Gemini Mars too. Oh, really? Yeah. What
1: degree what? are you?
0: Eight degrees. I'm retrograde. nine. Oh wow! i the mine's
1: not retrograde, but. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if we're born in the same year. Um, I don't know. Are you willing to share? (laughs) Yeah, I'm in 90. Oh,
0: yeah. Definitely not the same year. I was born in 79.
1: (laughs) I'm a little bit older
0: than you. Yeah.
1: Um, Another part of the cycle.
0: Yeah. Kindred spirit. Well, you know, I like what you brought up earlier, though, about talking about just the Martian principle in in general, because I'm a Scorpio rising and you're a Scorpio sun, right? Um mm-hmm. and so having that Scorpio rising because I use traditional rulers um you know Mars is definitely my my ruler and I have always even though I mean I'm born a, a girl I have always identified and connected with men more and I've always been involved in fields that are more masculine um and I really never even thought you know um I really never even thought about gender, actually, until it was coming into the forefront of society. Not the forefront; it's not just not there yet. I mean, we're talking about it here, <laughs> but it, it has become—it um, has made a lot more of um, a lot more awareness than you know in any time past. For for the most part. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't even think about these issues until they started coming up and people were debating them or said it was a problem. And it, you know, it is a problem, but I just thought about myself and what it was about myself that I never even tried to connect with, with that or separate it or feel that I'm, I'm a woman. Or feel that I'm more of a man. Like I've always been in this gray zone um, where you know I just never even thought about it and just did me. And so um, I find it I find it fascinating. I mean, I don't have anything more to add upon it than that. But um, I just found it fascinating that I never had never had really occurred to me and how important it was to other people, um, especially those that were being um, condemned by it in a sense.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's just so interesting that you're like uh, bringing up, and we also brought up the kind of like in a generational difference as well. And I'm looking at people who are also like in a generation younger than me who are now starting to be like, you know, the masters of the internet realistically. And yeah. they're just like generating no thing, you yeah. know, they're so ahead of the curve. And I, I feel like I'm a, you know, grueling behind had to like go through all these realizations about gender and it's just so part of their, their culture. And I'm like really excited for, you know,
0: Well, I think going through
1: Aquarius. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that speaks a lot too, because, you know, 1990, you're in that uh Pluto and Scorpio generation, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think that yes. that is part of you know the the process and what it is that is trying to be unearthed by people that are in your generation and bringing these things to the attention mm-hmm. of people so if anything you're doing you're doing the work you know mm-hmm. um, whereas my generation you know Pluto and Libra people um, we're doing it more on a kind of a relational level and dealing mm-hmm. with other people and and knowing the right ways of interaction and um, and also redefining uh what relationship looks like because that has changed over the years and definitely started to change in the 70s when uh pluto was in libra because um you know that's when you know free, free love really started to take reign <laughs> like people were doing whatever a lot of mm-hmm. divorce mm-hmm. um so it speaks a lot to the times that we were born in and then also that mm-hmm. kind of message that we end up sharing uh through our generation so yes
1: Makes yeah <laughs> totally and also like um I love talking about this, especially with transits of the outer planets, especially like Pluto or Orcus, like um, how uh, these are cycles that are so much larger than us. And this, I feel like this kind of like pulls back to the idea of that, how astrology is really queer, um, as in different to this norm that we live in, um, that it's just like a language of symbolism. It's just a language, you know? And the, and the humans actually know an incredible amount about themselves. And um, we live in this context in these like, you know, short spans of time real in comparison to the whole experience of humanity where we've been denied so much access to the knowledge about ourselves, and especially knowledge about our sexual selves or the genders of ourselves. It's, it's interesting that we're talking about like Plutonian generations, mm yeah and we're like unearthing so much about our need to like have a, a very deep understanding of uh um our sexual lives and our our need to like connect with other people and have the freedom to connect with other people mm. on this really deep level, and the same with uh Pluto and Libra you know.
0: Yeah, I feel like we go together well, like Pluto and Libra and Pluto and Scorpio, like we're kind of continuing on, you know, in the facets of relationship and how we identify with other people, you know, what we're uh, going as, you know, going as, especially with intimacy too, because that's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, part of of the whole thing. Um and then maybe those Pluto and uh, Sagittarius are just moving beyond it all. They're like, uh, "Yes." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to more, you know, like the bigger thing. Let's look at the philosophical picture of it all. Uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah some very good memes about it. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz
0: Pluto moves so slow. So I mean, you know, it being it's I haven't I love going back in history and like kind of looking at mundane aspects of things, but I haven't really gone back and looked at, you know, those Pluto and Libra um, generation of last time in Pluto and Scorpio. Obviously Pluto and Capricorn because, you know, we're having our uh, our, our Pluto return here in the United States. So I've been very interested in yeah. what happened with Pluto and Capricorn back in the day. But um, that would be interesting to kind of go back and look, you know, for how much we know. And especially there's are there are books, I can't think of the title right now, so shame on me. But I know there's one book in particular that focuses on the history of like sex and relationship throughout um, the world whatever um and so it'd be interesting to look back and like a resource like that and kind of see what those time periods might have been bringing out in relation to that just side thought to me
1: <laughs> yeah yeah interesting we're talking about like um I was actually just just before this I was thinking about um Pluto's transit uh, like when it was in the opposite sign where it was before uh, so when it was in cancer and uh, Um, the people who are born in Pluto and Gemini were living their adulthood, like their early adulthood through the Pluto in cancer transit. But um, like all of the chaos that is happening right now and and the simultaneous like um, gender and sexual liberation has, I see like a real direct mirror to what was happening when Pluto was going through Gemini and Pluto was going through Capricorn. There was like these really intense wars and that were um, precursed by really intense gender liberation
0: that's true that's yeah. true i got chilled when you said that yes that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a piece to the puzzle for sure and something to look back yeah. on um yeah. interesting well my mind is spinning right now <laughs> like yeah. my mind's going i just want to think about what we're saying rather than respond <laughs> to it um, and so you know okay now, I want to hear, let's go back to your Mars and Venus. Um, and you okay. were going, you know, you were talking about, you know, how they become these literal manifestations that we try to assign to gender, which is not always so cut and dry. And, you know, especially with Mars and like a warring faction, you know, we all have warring factions within us That's part of like what we deal with. But I, what I really liked about what you had written is you talked about Mars and Venus um, defining it a little bit more with the idea of victory versus conquer. Right. Mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah um, that part um, I drew pretty directly um, from the tree of Kabbalah the, the Sephiroth that is related to Venus is about it's called Victory and um, I, I don't think I really fully understood it because, until I read a graphic novel that went pretty heavily over it um, Promethea by Alan Moore it's really beautiful and I highly recommend everyone reading it um where uh, victory is about surrender it's about like you know you surrender to your turbulent emotions you surrender to love you surrender to joy these things involve a necessary process of letting go like you're only ever really gonna feel joy If you relax, you know. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're only ever going to feel love if you let go of the need for control because it's like a fluid experience. Um, But we talk about victory like it's like if you look in the dictionary the dictionary definition is someone like, you know, triumphant commanders returning from war, this kind of thing. It's like the decisive superiority in any battle. I think that's, that's, I don't think that's verbatim, but I think that's pretty close to what it was. Mm. Um, And how uh, these ideas have been totally appropriated and and twisted into this um, very very masculine, masculine central, very violent central. And when I think of it, when I say masculine, sometimes I'm kind of referring to this like almost like caricature mm-hmm. of um, this side of humanity. Um, you know? And, and it's so interesting that these words masculine and femininity, we're using them for so many vastly different meanings. Yes. <laughs> you know? We need more words. Yeah. We need to like re, re, reinvent and reclaim some words because there's a lot, a lot of things that those things encompass, and they can be really triggering if people only really are talking about it using those words um, to talk about something that's so like this kind of like divine expression of gender, or but someone has only heard talking about masculinity through like the context of today.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, really, we need we have a we have to get past like that any of that lives outside of us because you know the yeah. journey of human consciousness is the whole and in integrating these aspects of ourself um, in a harmonized way if we come back to the harmony of it all mm-hmm. um, in order to feel whole within ourselves because we all need that masculine principle not in a gender sense but in a way that. We go after what it is that we, we want and we take action in life or more assertive versus maybe the more Venusian principle with like you're saying, like feeling that love and pleasure and having to open up to something and kind of relinquish uh, uh, any of that assertion in order to receive. Um, and I mean, that's just a, a one facet of it. But, um,
1: you yeah. know, we're all
0: whole, right? Or we're not, we're striving to be, but essentially what's going
1: on. Yeah. And we're part of a greater whole. I I think like, um, pulling back to like making things really literal, the symbol of Venus, just like the way that it's drawn, like the circle with the little cross underneath that represents like all things in harmony. Like the circle is femininity and the stem is masculinity. And then the cross is divinity. You know, these Mm -hmm. are things that we all have. We have all of those things inside of us. And Venus represents every everyone at harmony with themselves, anyone at harmony with themselves and harmonizing with another person. So harmony can happen inside of yourself because you have lots of different parts of yourself. You have masculinity, you have femininity, you have like, I'm a human animal. I am also divine. You know, yes. these things harmonize together. And, um, yeah, the thing I was like really trying to point out in that part of the piece was that, um, if if uh, the, the gender binary is characterizing like uh, Mars Martian energy, so chaos, war, and uh, crisis as uh, superior, then um, and and it kind of like uh, defines that expression of masculinity as um, like inherently like it's defined by its oppression of femininity in this context, then this like patriarchal masculinity is defined by oppressing anyone's ability to have harmony with themselves like anyone's ability to have harmony with their own experience of gender
0: Mm. well it sounds very uh limiting on the (laughs) for a lot of reasons it's it feels like even if you align with kind of that that hard uh you know viewpoint. Uh, if we're talking about more patriarchally aligned folks, you know, to me, it seems like you're cheating yourself, you know, <laughs> like totally. on many levels.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. It doesn't really help anybody.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so hopefully these are the types of things that are being shaken up and we've seen it definitely as, you know, we've been living the last, you know, how many months with, uh, Jupiter and Scorpio. Which has mm-hmm. been bringing out a lot of things. Yes.
1: <laughs> Go to jail, Michael Cohen. <laughs> Go there to just, jail.
0: There's just so much yeah. that is going on, um, and we need it. You know, obviously, it's you know uh, Jupiter wants growth no matter what. In Scorpio, there is a lot of underbelly that lies there, and so a lot of things are coming yeah. up. That it's like, all right, well, you know, you can't turn a blind eye to this anymore. It's like in order to grow and move forward as a society and as people, you have to look at, you know, look at it, <laughs> look at it dead in the eye, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, which is so fascinating that, um, cause we're talking about Scorpio and, um, I guess Aries as well, cause we're really talking about Mars mm-hmm. and are, those two signs are all about the truth. Like Aries is all about truth telling. There's you know? any fire for it's the just, most part,
0: you know, there's honesty there.
1: Yeah. But especially, yeah, honesty. And I, but I really see that with like um, Aries because people ca- categorize that sign as kind of violent, but I definitely see it more as like, like, um like standing, having the courage to stand up and tell the truth when mm-hmm. it's dangerous. So someone like I feel like Chelsea Manning like did like the ultimate Aries thing in the world. So she stood up and she told the truth about something that everyone needed to know and um, paid like a really heavy cost for it. Like, and was standing up for like, you know, the biggest bully in the world.
0: Well, and it makes a lot of sense with Aries because it takes bravery and courage to do so, right. You know, to, to speak that truth and be the first to do so as well. Um, it takes that type of, um, once again, we come back to that Martian principle of assertiveness of whatever that looks like. Um, because that's where the Aries can come in is like, I can assert myself and and have the courage and, you know, to stand up and and be honest about a a situation. But the only way to do so is for me to take the initiative. And that's a Mm -hmm. Martian principle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. interesting
1: interesting Mm -hmm, (laughs)
0: fascinating talk so far i'm really enjoying it yeah Um, so uh okay now we've kind of touched on the idea of the the patriarchal role in this all and how like keeping those two factions separate uh and kind of oppressing that you know that feminine principle and that kind of venusian energy uh helps men stay in power right yeah (laughs) essentially or like that's kind of kind of the goal um yeah and you wrote about like the misappropriation of archetype within it all um of these archetypal uh, elements And i mean i don't even know if i'm going anywhere with, <laughs> with this question but uh can, can you speak on it on that at all or like the misappropriation of archetype in in the way that everything's set up
1: yeah um well yeah they really They've appropriated and twisted a lot of things, you know, people who want, um, guess it's, it's great that we were just talking about Aries. It's like, um, that, uh, like this, the thing that Aries is fighting is deception mm. really when it, like in the divine expression of Aries, what it's fighting is deception. And, um, it's a deception that people are divided. Yeah. That we're like, separate, you know? And, um, the or and it's even kind of deception the way that um, popular astrology has been uh, used kind of in the more of like open public market of it, where it's just like you are this one archetype, you are your sun sign, and that's it, and yeah. that's all you're ever going to be, and <laughs> this is all that astrology is. Um, but the zodiac, the archetypes of the zodiac are inseparable from one another. You know, they it's a cycle. They yeah, it's a story. It totally. And um just like I love when people come to me to read get their birth read, written. I'm like, Well, look at the houses. You are actually all of the archetypes, you know. You have all the possibility and the need to even if you have an empty house or whatever, like that, that is still a need that you have in your life and how do you fulfill that? How do you go about fulfilling these needs? And, yeah. Yeah. Well, like
0: which that. Is, it's interesting with the sun sign, like you're like your sun sign and that's all you are. And the sun sign is like, if you get to be that, you know, because yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it's, the sun is actually like the consciousness and like what we kind of, um, yeah. evolve to. And so to even think that we are necessarily on the sun's level from the get go is a
1: misconception.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so I like what you're saying about that with the whole, that does fit into the archetype. Cause we are not just those things. Of course, we're going to identify it because, you know, um, on on a soul level we know that it's there but we are constantly bringing it to the surface um by uh you know experiencing transits to these, to the archetype itself, um, and from different planets, you know, like the Mm -hmm. chiming in the whole time. So I really like what you say there. We're full of archetypes, every single one of us, and we're living different ones at different times, um, Mm -hmm. based on our personal journey in life. And so, Mm -hmm. yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. And it's like, and and I also love that they're just such, um, all of these archetypes represent like parts of our bodies. And even if you don't Mm -hmm. have like all of the body parts, you know, it's still parts of like your internal systems, how, how it all works. Like you need this, you know, Librian balance between your whole life and people need kidneys, you know, Yeah. people need a liver,
0: people need a liver,
1: <laughs> people need a liver, you know, people need lungs, oh you know, Gemini, you know, yeah. people need a nervous system. Everybody's got a nervous system. Everyone's got guts. I wish I could turn
0: mine down a little bit, that nervous system part. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Mars and Gemini. Yeah. Well, Mars and
0: Gemini, Uranus conjunct the ascendant. Like I'm I'm twitching right now.
1: Um, (laughs) 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 You look (laughs) great, (laughs) Joe.
0: It's all facade, people. (laughs) Um, Yes. No, you're absolutely right about that because you can even look at that as like, you know, in that literal sense of body parts, you know, that translate that Mm -hmm. into the the archetype of the spiritual body in a way how we need still need all these facets in order to be this whole being and that's essentially what we're talking about here um Mm -hmm. now like yeah you're gonna say
1: yeah um i guess i was just gonna go into a spiel if that's cool give me a spiel i want a spiel (gasps) okay yeah i guess it's like kind of uh, pulling off of them uh the context that we live in like we live in the context of patriarchy and so certain Um, people in humanity are devalued. And so that means definitely certain archetypes are devalued. And if we all have those archetypes inside of us, you know, then there are going to be certain things that don't really receive a lot of attention. And I was really, I think about Virgo a lot. Like it's just so powerful and just people just think it's like, Oh, you like to be clean, but it's just so much more than that. It's Mm. like, you know, our intestines and our enteric nervous system, it's, uh, I just love Virgo so much. Oh. Um.
0: <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a North node in Virgo conjunct Saturn. Exactly. So oh, I, know, I know square that Mars exactly that I was talking about earlier.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I feel you like on the Virgo level and I've definitely mm-hmm. gotten to know it more and more, um, in, in my life because obviously that's part of my journey. Um, yeah and it's not just like yeah exactly being clean and you know organizing your house yes that could be a little bit a part of it but then so much more than that (laughs) yeah
1: it's like uh yeah it's such an expansive archetype i i think i've had i think this thing that i wrote originally came from the desire to write a love letter to virgo because people just like Really don't appreciate it. They hate on it. They hate on Virgo so much. They hate on Gemini so much. And it's just like, what's wrong with Mercury, you know? Um, But yeah, and relating that to like our current, you know, the context of our world and um, how much food is is so used to, it was used um, to control the population during the process of colonization of North America. That was like a very large part of colonization. And it continued to be a very large part of um controlling you know the foot soldiers of colonization, the people who settled on this land, the people who were the colonizers of this land how how and it continues to be to this day um, what well, you yeah. have access to eating
0: well, and what's being done to your food as well
1: yeah is it's affecting your your whole body in such as this profound way I think I was um to give a little bit of context to maybe the people who are listening um I uh, I was going to go over the kind of like elemental genders thing
0: yes I was going to prompt you on that
1: <laughs> okay well here we are oh woo <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I don't remember what happened first, whether it was, um, cause I've always been really fascinated with gender. And I think, um, before I, um, kind of like consciously actualized my sign was like, and, and in the process came out of the trans person, which is so funny that it goes together. Um, I have always been really fascinated with like looking at people's faces and this is before when I had a very internalized view of the, the socialization of the gender binary. And I would like look at a friend's face who's a man and be like, there's so many beautiful feminine qualities to this face. And then I would look at a friend's face who's a woman and be like, there's so many beautiful masculine qualities to this face. And, um, I was, like, deeply obsessed with astrology in a very private way because I have Pluto in the ninth house. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the more that I was, like, starting to learn about, um, you know, gender and the world from and learning from external sources about gender, like, I, I felt like I always had, like, a very strong sense of what gender meant. Um, but, like, learning what so many other people have written about um, our socialization of gender and that there are so many more truths in the world. I started to like really connect the dots of um, a relationship between um, gender and the elements. And so um, a, a lot of astrologers talk about how the fire and air signs are masculine and then the earth and water signs are feminine, but if the zodiac is a complete cycle in and of itself, Then they're all part of each other. And then I uh, kind of came to this understanding that if there is this like assumption of, of masculinity in the world and femininity in the world, then um, I'm all like, my brain is so full of like, what words come out next? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Then the the social, the kind of like caricature of what we consider to be masculinity and the caricature of what is allowed for femininity is aligned like in an incredible way to this, um, the gender, I guess the divine genders and also the kind of like human gendering of these elements. You know, fire is a bit, Fire and air are both very, like, extroverted. They're very, like, um, expansive and quick and um, loud. Yeah. The <laughs> they're loud. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, the earth signs and water signs are so, like, you know, introverted. They're very in themselves and they're very grounded and they're very practical and very intuitive, the water signs as well and um i started to just think about how the things that like certain bodies are allowed to do in the world align so exactly with these archetypes so i'll just kind of go over a little bit with like you know the fire signs like um if aries is war in a way then and for a long time only men have been allowed to be in the army Mm. and if leo is like um very regal almost like uh kingly, you know, yeah. they're like the kings of their, their personal kingdom, like your your son, the expression of wio is like the center of the solar system, you know um, then there's been a very long history of only men being allowed to be the rulers of the land, you know there's never been a female president of the United States there's never been a female prime minister of Canada and I don't know how many female of, uh, you know mm-hmm. and, and then with sanitarious which is about uh spirituality and um faith and prayer and um so for so long it's like if you look at the catholic church there's like this huge gender divide of like yeah. only men are allowed to be priests there's only been a male pope and um I can't even get into the Catholic Church, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And trust me, none of us even want to. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's like those are very gendered practices in the world. And then the same really goes with um the air signs, even just like air as an element in general. Air It's about the mind. It's about mental acuity. It's about Thoughts and words and intelligence, and that is an incredibly gendered thing. Like, apparently, you know, for it's a, such a socialized thing and such a strongly held belief in so, for so long in our society that men are more intelligent than women. Men have more access, have had more access to going to school and higher education and language and stuff. And while I was doing research for that I said that I, I wrote. Um, I remember coming across this article. I think it was on HuffPost or Huffington Post um, about um, how our our experiences of those types of socialization affect our ability to perform tasks. So there was talking. This article was talking about um, asking uh, a cis woman to like and do these like little math problems. But before that, she would do this, these these math problems in in the test. They would um, show her a video, and I think that there were kind of these like underlying messages that were had words that were like you know, girls are bad at math, you know, mm. kind of thing. <laughs> and she like underperformed on the yeah. test in comparison to and the, the people who experienced that video before doing the test the women that experienced that video before doing the test underperformed as opposed to the people who didn't. And so these, these messages like really, really affect us in the world. And so I guess to go through the uh, um, air signs, Gemini is about language and um, there's just, that's, there's such a huge divide in um, how many men are in the science and technology and engineering and math fields. It's like, I think it's almost like 75 to 25%. Um,
0: Yeah. It's an interesting point because if we think of Gemini as kind of the birth of all information, you know, who is birthing it? Who is is sharing the message that we are all then reacting to? Like the women you were saying in in the study, like that's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, who's telling the news? Like 70% of the people who are, you know, like the directorial managers of all major news in the U.S. are men. They're the ones who are deciding what is newsworthy. That's why I'm Mm -hmm. like, everyone watch Amy Goodman. Everyone watch Democracy Now! forever. That's my little side point.
0: Well, then not even on top of that, like they're managing that. And then on top of that, the one company owns it all anyways. And so like...
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And that's a very, it's, yeah. yeah, It's it's not holistic at all, you know? (laughs) No. Yeah. And then to go into like Libra, that's like making the laws. That's how it's in men and in this These countries in North America, it's always been men's laws, right? Laws that have to do with controlling the autonomy of our body, and then to go with Aquarius, like invention, who is allowed to invent things, who is allowed to, like, create and innovate our world, and you know, it's like going back to the STEM fields, like engineering and technology, is a very, very gendered space. Um, But then you look at like uh, the Earth and water signs, like things that are feminized in the world. There's like Taurus, which has to do with food, food and bodies and pleasure, a very gendered thing, you know, mm-hmm. like that women are these like vessels of temptation for men. And there, but also Taurus is a very hard worker. So, like, there's women to work the land and make yeah. the food. And then with Virgo, it's like, it is, even though we're talked about, like, it's not just about cleanliness, um, it does have a lot to do with cleanliness. You know, there are women to clean the house and do the dishes mm -hmm. and support these mundane tasks that deal, that keep our daily habits going. That's more like the larger expression of Virgo. You know, our intestines need daily tasks to happen in order for the world to continue. And then with Capricorn, there are women to manage the family, you know. Women are taking, understanding what the bills are, you know that matriarchal sure the house grandmother runs. role you know capricorn yes too yes totally it's very grandmother crone yeah yeah interesting totally
0: my grandma was a capricorn oh well she's then, still alive she is still a yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: well explains my capricorn moon there were conjunctions.
1: maybe she's so. transcended
0: <laughs> yeah well oh yeah she's not far off so <laughs> well we'll see hopefully not yeah um. Yes,
1: that's so fascinating with family conjunctions.
0: I. Well, that's a whole family other podcast. So amazing. It, it that's really a
1: whole is. other podcast. It
0: really is, and one day that will happen because that as a cancer, I must speak on it. Um. <laughs>
1: so yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I'll just finish the last couple of that because we're talking. You just yeah, cancer cancer. cancer is like, uh, you're talking about the family, yeah. the water signs. It's about like empathy and must. Mother you know? and there's like women are allowed to be nurturers. Yeah. Women are there's women for having babies and that's like their whole use. The people who have wombs, your use is to have a baby. Or for Scorpio, it's it's a sign about sex. Women are for sex. They're like these tools that are used for men for sex. Or Pisces, which is like, you know, the the healer. Women for emotional labor. Right, yeah. And our world like is totally divided mm. and has been for so long along these lines. Um, but it's so great that we we talk so long about how like you know, the zodiac is a whole cycle and everyone has all of these needs, you know. Men need to have feelings, men need to cry, men yeah. need to shed their personas, they need to be crabs, you know. Sometimes <laughs> shed your personas so you can Ooh. grow.
0: And I think that the number one,
1: yeah,
0: well, the number one thing to that to me is that, you know, like release the shame from it because that's essentially part of the whole thing is because, you know, yeah, men have to cry. Men feel emotions just like women do. Um, But it's that acceptance um, and that ridding of shame that is, will then allow uh, a male that is not normally able to do this to, you know, embrace those more kind of feminine. If we're talking on this more like everything mm-hmm. you just discussed, um, you know, s- standpoint, which is more, it's healing. Like I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine going as water signs. I can't imagine going through your life without crying. <laughs> oh
1: <my> yeah. <laughs>
0: <That sounds> painful. <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: It's terribly painful.
0: It's painful. Yeah. Um, and then the same with women too, you know, that just acquiesce to everything or always kind of give in and let other, you know, uh, like more male energy direct their lives in, in some way or feel like they can't take control of their life and like assert themselves in ways. That's a part of it too. Um, Cause there's no shame in, in, you know, stepping up um, and saying what you have to say and going after what it is that you want. Um, and yeah, so it works on both things, you know, both sides of it all. And so, how do we how do we get there, Mars? What? <laughs> <laughs> how do we get
1: there? <sighs> I mean, I really hope that um, astrology comes back into the forefront as um, like a very respected um, part of humanity because it was for so long. Um, I, I know you brought up uh, Aquila, and she and I are close friends. And we met on the bus, actually. It was like so (laughs) random. (laughs) Um, But started a great friendship over it. Um, Yeah, she's, we've talked so many times about how um, astrology, like back in the day, for like so, like pretty much universally, for like almost all societies in the world, really. The honor and and their own different acts as well. I think that's really important to bring into there that like there is more to the world than we see. Mm. Yes, but um, the thing that I guess Aquila and I really talk about a lot is like um, a lot of the civilizations where that uh, their traditions still really influence our world. Um, it was like really necessary. It was like essential for. People before they were at Clock. You know, mm. the, these, these two worlds of like, there was something greater than we see, and empirical evidence were not divorced yeah. for most of human history. And now we live in this world that is like, if a scientist with a degree can prove it. By judging something through a microscope, <laughs> we will believe you know yes, and we just, yeah
0: <laughs> well, I mean that speaks a lot to the scientific revolution, you know, and that's when kind of the divide happened where astrology yeah. astrology and astronomy were one and the same thing for uh, many many uh, you know years <laughs> centuries most, most of time uh, but most of time actually it's only the and it was actually through that um through that divide, that almost lost astrology, and it wasn't until you know, kind of like the mm-hmm. pop culture brought it back in in you know the 20th century. And of course, it has metamorphosed into something a little different than it looked in the more traditional sense. Which I'm very interested in traditional astrology. So, um, seeing that that divide. It's a whole nother divide. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's true. It, it got separated. Um, and which is a shame. And so I, don't, I love science. I find science fascinating. Oh, yeah. But science, yeah. much like the gender binary we just talked about, is limiting because a lot of what it is we experience in this world um, is not able to be measured or tested. And actually, to me, that is the magic of life. If You are able to test something so rigidly, like where's the excitement, you know, in in... Kind of the mystery of it all, and maybe that's the Scorpio energy talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just- yeah,
1: yeah, that totally. That um, really reminds me of this, um, the book, a book that I read a really long time ago. Um, I think it was called uh, "The Art of Coincidence" by Arthur Kessler, who was a mathematician, and um, he was talking about uh, writing uh, in large part in the book, uh, part of the world that this is the st- statistic of something, you know.
0: Oh, we're having Mars, just so you know, we're having People a little, like, uh, you know, we're having a little uh, technical difficulty. Can you start again with what you are saying about the book?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. um I, This book i was reading um, the art of coincidence um is about written by arthur kessler who's a mathematician was writing about um the origins of statistics Mm. and um we think of statistics as just like part of the world you know like one in 20 people like ice cream you're like that's a statistic you know (laughs) um but statistics were used originally to try to prove um, Extrasensory perception. They were created for that purpose. Mm. And um, something that I found, what we were talking about, how it's like really hard to prove um, with empirical, evidence that are, i The thing that I took away over the years from that book the most was that um, they would do these studies where it's like, there's an agent and a receiver. So there's two people in different rooms or sometimes in these studies in different buildings or even in different cities. Where the agent would like have a deck of cards with like five symbols. Um, yeah, the whole deck of cards, there was only five different cards, but like many of them, and all shuffled together. And um, the agent would like look at the, pick up a card and look at it, and then like send try to send the image psychically to the receiver who was either in the other room or another building or another city. And they did like hundreds of thousands of these tests. And what they found is that in the beginning, um, people would guess the right, that the receiver would guess what card the agent was picking up and looking at um, in um, more often than mathematical chance would allow. Mm-hmm. But if they did it, um, if they did it too much, because they were doing like hundreds of thousands of these tests, if they were, it would go, the, the receiver would guess it wrong more than mathematical chance mm-hmm. would allow. And uh, I just love that. That's, <laughs> that's proven by science. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's proven by science that we're both psychic, and and uh, it's kind of silly to try to abuse it through empirical evidence.
0: Yeah, it's
1: actually harmful to try to abuse it through empirical evidence.
0: Yeah, because I mean, it's one of the um, it's, but speaking as water signs. You know, I use yeah. that faculty, con- you know, constantly. Totally. Yeah. Um, and you'd be selling the human experience short if you were to try to debunk that um, and say it's not real or whatever. But, you know, the beauty of statistics, I always like statistics because statistics is one of the only maths, uh, that, you know, doesn't have a finite answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and that's that's the beauty of statistics to me. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Anywho, well, our talk is going a little bit long and we are diverting, but I find it fascinating and I hope that uh, you will join me again sometime. Yes, to I'd talk love to. On, you know, whatever we want to talk on. Um, so tell people where they can find you. Tell people where this essay is that I keep speaking of.
1: <laughs> yeah, this essay is entitled Queer Astrology. It's on my website, which is com, And uh, that's a mouthful.
0: <laughs> yes. And I will have the links on my blog uh, page and everything. So don't worry if you didn't quite get that. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. It's just on my website. It's um, in the ideas section. There's a few, uh, like, uh, my website is about using, um, like, making visual guides to astrology. So using illustrations to, like, uh, break down the relationships between archetypes. Yeah. And, uh, this is also a visual guide to clear astrology. Yes. So
0: definitely check those out because, um, it really is fascinating. And I, I highly recommend, uh, especially it will help, you know, kind of twist, not twist your view, but just give you more co- things to consider because, you know, I've considered some of the things that we're talking about here today, but I definitely have to say after reading your essay, I, I have a lot more considerations on my plate and, um, it was enlightening in a lot of ways. And I guess that speaks to that moon and Sagittarius of yours. (laughs) Uh, I learned something.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mercury. Yeah. yeah. There we go. There was that. Thank you.
0: very well. Um, so yes, all those links will be, um, in the, in this video on my blog, you know, all you'll, you'll find it. Um, and I hope you're looking for it because it's fascinating. Um, so thank you again, Mars. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. And so where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And I have all types of Things that happen in both those places. (laughs) So if you want to find out more, go check that out. And um, I don't say it as often as I should, but I do consultations, um, one hour consultations, especially when I use astrology and tarot together. So if you're interested in something like that, uh, feel free to hit me up. Um, and uh, as I was saying earlier, I have all my stuff on Patreon, um, including my moon horoscopes and the weekly, uh, custom tarot subscription. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can find that at patreon.com. Backslash Energetic Principles, um, and that was already a mouthful. But if you like what we talked about here today, because I certainly did, you know, share it with a friend, spread the good word. You know, that's how things get around um, and ideas get out there. And if you feel so inclined to give me a nice review on iTunes, I won't protest. Um, so, all right, thank you so much again for being here, Mars. You're you're fabulous, and I can't wait to speak to you. Yes, thank you. All right, everyone, and thank you for being there as well. Um, And as always, may the stars be with you.